Welcome to the Dynasty Roundtable. Here we are yet again, Matt Babich. Our studio was taken over by the Podfather, by Jack Cavanaugh, by Theo Greminger last week on Crossover Week. But we're back. We've claimed our throne back this week. And we we have all these, uh, what, what what's going on today in the NFL? Like a training camp or something, right? Yeah, we got training camp season, and so that includes camp hype. And and as we all know, it's our it's our favorite time of the year. It's looks good in shorts season. If he looks good in shorts, if he's flying around in routes on air, you best believe he has a social media post dedicated to him, and his ADP has gone up. These are these are just the facts of life. This is this is the game we play. But you know, we gotta wade through. The BS. We got to wait. We got to fade the noise, and that's what we're here to do today. Joining us is Aditya Fuldiore and Tyler Knabley. How you guys doing? Great, great, fantastic. Ready to get it going. Fantastic. As Matt said, uh, this is you know short season. Everybody's in shorts. It's the summertime. It's I tell you, it is hot here in Kansas City. I don't know about where you guys are, but uh, training camp is here. So Aditya, we'll just start the show off with you. Which training camp reports do people need to pay special attention to? And or or what's your outlook on training camp news? Like how do you approach it? Yeah, so I'll tackle that one first. How to approach training camp news? It's really tough to wade through all the all the reports, all the hype and everything. Basically, uh, every team's going to hype up their own players. That's like the basic basic thing that you got to know about pre- about the press and the team press especially so when you look at the training camp reports usage i think is the main thing that you got to look at who's getting those first team reps who is there at camp who's on the physically unable to perform list and all that so uh, one set of reports that i've really been excited about and paying attention to out of the ravens camp is that todd munkin's offense is being installed He's not letting Lamar Jackson use that wristband, which I think is going to be helpful to Jackson's game. And um, we're also seeing Zay Flowers really tear it up uh, down in camp, uh, seeing reports of uh, he's tearing up corners on uh, one-on-one drills, which I don't know if that says more about Zay Flowers or Baltimore's corners there, but um, he's, he's been the guy that's been getting a lot of the traction in those training camp reports. Now, the context there is that Rashad Bateman is still yet to practice. Um, Odell Beckham is still there, and he's not been limited in practice, but it's been Zay Flowers that's been getting the bulk of those training camp reports. So that's that's one set of reports that I've, I've been paying attention to, Zay Flowers and that Todd Munkin offense for sure. What about you, Tyler? What what's Ty- your pro- Tyler's clearly not as ready to go as he <laughs> as he was advertising. What are you talking about? Oh, sorry, no, it's my turn. He's staring off into space. I was I was looking at my notes up here. I got them right here up on my <laughs> monitor. Right, I got a dual monitor setup. You know, I came prepared. I got I got I got a fifty page essay right here. It's get a probably like an eighty six, but I was still in college. All right, well, um, give us what's give us give us the uh, the what dissertation. Then. Yeah, well, well, building off the reps thing, uh, one of the things that I was looking at was Anthony Richardson taking all the first team reps. I mean, I, I think we kind of knew that he was going to start week one, but I feel like this just kind of confirms it. Like he just he just seems to be the guy they want to roll with. Uh, so that's that's something that I am really kind of like happy to see a guy who owns a lot of Anthony Richardson across all my best ball teams. I'm glad to see that he uh, he will actually play week one probably. The other thing too is this Jameson Williams thing coming out of camp. It's like he's punching teammates. And like, like they're trash talking, he's punching teammates, he's dropping passes. But then a report came out today. It was like, oh, he's going to get a whole bunch of reps and like, it's going to be good when he comes back because he's suspended for six weeks. So I don't know what, what to do with that. And then the last one I want to talk about is Calvin Ridley is this guy looks unbelievable. It was the first, I think it was the first like major training camp clip to kind of hit the airwaves was that one of Zay Jones running that in route. And then it was Calvin Ridley running like five times faster. And I think the question with Ridley is, was he going to, is he going to like be able to come back from all like the rust and because he hasn't played football in like over a year. So that was kind of the big question. I feel like that, that clip and all the other clips that came after just kind of proved that he's still that guy. I think he's the best pure receiver on this team and that Jags offense who knows what could happen. I'm, I love Calvin Ridley this year. I've been drafting him all season. So give me all the Calvin Ridley. These, these clips just kind of confirm what, what I thought was going to happen. It's already hurt. Year really? and a half, year and a half away from football, he's already hurt. Is he can't, hurt? Can't oh, handle toe injury. Yeah, 
his his feet are already breaking down under the workload under an NFL workload. You see, he's already it's a year and a half away for the game. You know, he he was kept in shape, right? Right. He was always working out. Well, you know, seven days on a field and he's already got a toe injury. So, you know, his his body's showing true resilience and and strength <laughs> after that year and a half long rest. So glad to see that, you know, he's he's at full strength. You know, everything's looking up for Calvin Ridley. You know, he could potentially be the wide receiver one or two or three uh, on that offense. I don't, you know, I'm not as in on Calvin Ridley if you if you didn't catch my point there. Yeah, well, did you see that uh, that letter that he wrote? I think it was like back in March or February or something. Yes, Bradley Stalder. Bradley I, Stalder I read, brought it up. Yep. I read the letter, okay? Well, he played, very... he played half a season on a broken foot or whatever the quote. I forgot how many games he played. But he played like he played like six or nine games with a broken foot. So this is nothing for him. It's just a little, just a little toe injury. He's got it. He's got it in the bag. Uh, yeah, I mean, respectfully, Calvin Ridley is is going to have a good season. I do think he's overpriced at ADP, but that's fair. The real storyline in camp right now, and I've I've been on Twitter the last couple of days, or X, I've been on X the past couple of days posting yeah. about James. Co- All this just sounds wrong. It's disgusting. I'm starting but- a new Twitter platform called Y, and then the next <laughs> one's going to be Z. All right, who's in? Who's in for Y? Why? 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 I mean, I'm why? That's another soundbite we can add. But please, I can't distract me from this manifesto. James Cook, the obvious breakout candidate of the season. And have you heard, has anyone here heard one positive note about Damian Harris since camp started? Has anyone seen one positive tweet, one good looks good in shorts video? No, because he is vanilla pudding. He, you know what you're going to get, but you know you're not, oh, this is, so bursting with flavor this is just so spectacular no it's he's a guy who you're going to give 45 percent of the work to and some goal line touches and he's going to fall forward he he's he's not a yards creator but he's an effective rusher he's not a game-breaking asset and it's all because james cook is under 200 pounds and so he doesn't fit the prototypical mold of a three down back get over yourself let me let me pull up 511 199 sub four, around a 43840 89th percentile speed score 90th percentile agility. I just described two prospects and that's Jamal Charles and James Cook. If you want to get real freaky, you can do nearly the same thing with CJ Spiller. So look at those two backs that he is the same size and mold of and the only difference really is that he wasn't a high volume rusher at the college level. And so I get it. That's, that's generally a valid argument, but he was never going to outproduce Singletary in year one. So let's not double count the whole college to rookie year transition. Devin Singletary was attached to Josh Allen for years. He was on the last year of a rookie deal and an entrenched veteran in this offense. Do you understand the value of knowing the playbook that well? and understanding where to be on every single pass protection so that Josh Allen isn't getting his injured elbow crushed by defenders. The value of of knowing all this and being involved in this this offense for season after season after season, James Cook was never going to come in and just dominate the touches. He didn't have to. And yet still, he had 5.3, what a rank number 12, true yards per carry, a 12% breakaway run rate, near a 1.65 yards per route run, which would have ranked 10th among qualified running backs, and 18% of his targets were in the red zone. So a lot of people want to say that it's it's the rushing work, the lack of rushing work that Damian Harris is going to cut into that's going to ruin James Cook. Well, let's do some let's do some projecting here. Put on our our Billy Muzio hats. So if we take Buffalo's 25 rush plays per game which they've been averaging since 2020, and we give Cook 40% of that. That's 170 carries. Now, even I am not projecting James Cook at 170 carries. So let's say it's even less than that, and it's at 145. A 10 to 12% target share in a Buffalo Bills offense can net, I think, very realistically 75 targets. So now we're talking 220 total opportunities. When we look at the metric weighted opportunities, go to playerprofiler.com to look at that metric because weighted opportunities per game 
is the most highly correlated metric with fantasy points per game for running backs. Go check out my article on that if, you, if you'd like to know more. And if this 220 is coming from 75 targets and knowing his red zone role, knowing what the Bills want to do in the red zone, and that's pass, he's going to finish top 24, probably top 20 in terms of weighted opportunities per game. And at that projection, he is safely a top 24 to top 20 running back. And at RB 30, I've been in on that value all season. I'll continue to be in on it. Your buy window is closing rapidly. Take advantage now. You know, you, you, as you were saying, as you were talking, Matt, and that was one of the best segments you've ever done. Bravo. Thinking about it all day. It's all I prepared. That's, that was amazing. Like, and you guys can clap back at me if you want to, but this bill's backfield reminds me of the Detroit lions backfield in a way, because you have Jameer Gibbs. Guess what? Another guy who's under 200 pounds who fits that mold with David Montgomery. Now, you know that I like David Montgomery quite a bit more than I like Damian Harris. And I think David Montgomery is going to cut into Jameer Gibbs's opportunities in year one. But James Cook, he's already played his rookie season, right? Going into year two. I mean, it's the perfect, and a lot of things are aligning too. I mean, if the Bills, if the Bills run Josh Allen on another one of those stupid power sweeps that gain three yards and get him absolutely destroyed, they need to cut that out and give those opportunities to another running back like Damian Harris or potentially James Cook. They probably need to start throwing the ball out of the backfield more often to a player like James Cook. And you start looking at their pass catchers too. It's Diggs, it's Dalton Kincaid, it's Gabe Davis. It's, you know, like I think James Cook can carve out a decent role in this offense. I love that as a buy for sure. And I, I'm for the same reasons, I think I'm skeptical about Jameer Gibbs this season. And I know Theo loves him. But I think David Montgomery is going to be a real um, cut into that opportunity as well. I, I don't think Damian Harris is nearly as talented as David Montgomery. So you have two running backs in two different situations and areas of their career there and um, in Jameer Gibbs and James Cook. And James Cook feels like he's primed to take off this season. And the price is good. The price is really good. So you highlighted the important point there with David Montgomery is that David Montgomery has proven to be a target earner and a yeah. reliable pass catcher. And that's something that Damian Harris never has done. And David that Montgomery, was a huge yeah. signal as well, because David Montgomery, as, as much as I, you know, we have our little bet and everything, it, he is a much bigger threat to him as a receiver than, than Harris is to cook. So that's the important distinction and a valid reason to be, you know, fading Jameer Gibbs in favor of David Montgomery. Yeah, yeah, and David Montgomery's finishes the RB six in fantasy points per game bef- before, so I, I think just a much talent, more talented player. But my advice for all dynasty gamers out there, when it comes to training camp, right? It's August. We're less than forty days away from the kickoff of the NFL season. Which, holy cow, it's hard to believe that we're almost there. It's just right around the corner. College football will be kicking off before we know it. But injuries, right? I think injuries are very actionable. And when it comes to injuries, when it comes to, you know, God forbid, players playing really well, you know, jumping out of the out of their shoes. I saw a catch George Pickens made the other day. It was unbelievable. Look for reporters that you trust, right? Now, these are people like Mike Reese has been covering the Patriots forever. Adam John, for me, it's Adam Johns, Courtney Cronin, people like that from the Bears, Brad Biggs. So get a list of people that you trust, that you see consistently putting good stuff out there, actionable stuff, and follow them on Twitter. See what they have to say, and their reports will start popping up in their timeline. And my strategy year over year over year that's worked out really well, I've been playing Dynasty for, God, six-plus years now, is if there's a player that I like that is having a bad camp or is dealing with an injury or looks bad or whatever the case may be, Right. Or God forbid, like I said, they look amazing. The first thing I do is I consider the source of this information. Right. If it's Mike Reese or if it's somebody I trust, then I go, okay, well, then it's probably legit. Nothing to see here. But if it's from a random person that I've never heard of, I look into it. Have they what else have they reported on? If it's somebody that I don't necessarily trust or if it's a random blog, then I'm the first thing that I'm going to do is if that player's having an awesome camp, I'm going to put them on the block and see what happens. If, I mean, if, you know, if they're not having a good camp, I'm going to inquire to see if I can get that player. If I like that player, I mean, everybody, I mean, we're going to be having preseason games coming up here soon. 
everybody remembers carry on Johnson back in the day. I mean, that one cut run may have got somebody a first round pick rookie pick. I mean, you think I'm crazy, but I remember a buddy of mine traded after Sammy Watkins had a, a week one, like 30 or 40 point performance. He got a first round pick for Sammy Watkins. So these are the really, these are the moves that you can make and a good exercise. And one last thing here, I know uncle Seth's going off the rails already, but keep track of these player values. Okay. Keep track of like, keep trade cut. If you're subscribed to us, which you should be keep track of those differences. Like we've noticed and keep track of the movements and, and ask yourself, why are these players moving? Right. If a player's and if a player's too low, especially on keep trade cut, which is like the public go get them. And if you like them, go, go be aggressive and go trade for them Buy buy low fantasy football doesn't have to be hard. I think it's simple when we're taking chances on guys with athleticism who are going to have opportunities within their offense. Oftentimes an injury here or there in training camp or a bad practice doesn't really mean anything in the bigger picture. So that would be just training camp 101 for anybody who's new to dynasty. Seth dealing out lessons inside and outside of the classroom. They say teachers take the summer off. Not this one. He is always on. Now, if you've been listening to to player profiler network shows which if you're here you probably have you have heard a lot of quentin johnston talk oh lord now i promise you this (laughs) next segment is wide receiver or not wide receivers but players rookies on our do not draft list i promise you we're not going to talk about quentin johnston we're not going to do it tyler (laughs) Uh, not not this segment we're not no I, I almost right. put on the show sheet is like, are we allowed to talk about Quentin Johnston or Roshan Johnson? Because I feel like everybody knows that how we how everyone at Player Profiler feels about those two players. But anyway. so we're gonna kick it off with Tyler. Which rookie is on your do not draft list? I had a I had a couple written down, but for I'm gonna go kind of like the low hanging fruit one first, and then I'll get to my hot take one. Is Zach Charbonnet is the first one? Just the injury the injury hurts him a lot. Even before that, though, I mean, he's playing behind Kenneth Walker, who was like a lot of people's RB, like top three, top five dynasty running back around like in everyone's kind of rankings. Like, I don't know. And then there's just so many mouths to feed. You got DK, you got Lockett, you got JSN now there, too. It's just it's just one of those things where I don't see it like unless Kenneth Walker gets hurt. I don't see how he kind of provides short term value, at least. And then the one that I think is going to piss some people off is I'm not drafting a lot of B. John Robinson, at least in redraft, I'm not. Just be, And I'm the, I am the biggest Falcons fan you might ever meet. But I am convinced that Arthur Smith is not going to use this guy the way that everybody thinks he's, he's going to get used. I mean, this is the guy who played pretty much Kyle Pitts at left tackle last year on third down, and fantasy managers wanted Arthur Smith's head. And then now they, they forget about that, but now it's going to be fine with Bijan. I just don't think it is. I had a thing in one of the the – the video takes we did where after the draft, after the draft, B. John Robinson, Arthur Smith, he comes out and he says, we are not going to use B. John Robinson like Derrick Henry. He says it straight up and everyone's making B. John Robinson and Derrick Henry comparisons. So I don't understand it. I don't get it. I just, I, I love B. John Robinson as a player. I think he's going to have a great career, but like middle of the first round seems insane to me. It, I don't get it. I, I'm not taking him there at all. Tyler Algier, just the, the forgotten the forgotten Tyler, son. He's Tyler just, Algier is my most owned player in best ball. Number one. <laughs> one of the best mid-round values, I think. Yeah. And honestly, honestly, Cordero Patterson's free. I'm just saying. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good point. Wow. That, that Atlanta backfield is, I think we'll be scratching our heads for some time this season. I think Bijan's definitely more of a guy you want in dynasty over redraft at the current prices, but. Um, yeah, definitely some good points there about Charbonnet as well. Those those running backs are are a bit uh, crazy to look at in this in redraft um, and dynasty bit too. Uh, for me, the rookie that's on my do not draft, do not touch list, uh, number one, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, first reason, Daniel Jones was number 30 in deep ball attempts last year, and he was 31st in air yards per attempt. So not a whole lot of uh, throwing the ball deep for – Daniel Jones, which is what Jalen Hyatt uh, specializes in. And they also got all of those slot guys over there in New York that are going to be crawling over each other for playing time. Uh, you got Sterling Shepard. Um, Isaiah Hodgins is also still there. 
Um, who else they got? Darius Slayton. All all these guys. They just got Cole Beasley too, right? So I don't think Jalen Hyatt's going to be a guy that um, he's going to have an immediate impact for the Giants. He's definitely that deep ball guy, but the Giants aren't going to be throwing the ball deep that much with Daniel Jones at quarterback. Um, Saquon's not holding out. He's back too, so expect a lot of those short yardage passes to a guy like Saquon. Darren Waller is going to be the number one target in that offense as well. So Jalen Hyatt's a guy that I'm out on. Maybe if the Giants took him earlier, then I'd have a little bit more faith, but it was a third-round selection, so not as much for a premium position like wide receiver. So Jalen Hyatt I'm out on, and another guy is Dalton Kincaid that I'm kind of out on. He's consensus uh, number one rookie tight end going right now, but I don't think the Bills use him like they're, they've been talking about this year. Rookie tight ends don't uh, really produce all that well. Kyle Pitts produced really well, but even for fantasy, a lot of times managers were scratching their heads about that. Um, Dawson Knox is still there. He still has a contract, so he's going to get used whether you like it or not. And um, Gabe Davis is is there for targets. He's like the wide receiver too still. I just don't think the Bills have their number two option in the passing game on the roster quite yet. It might be another year until management's like, all right, here's another wide receiver for you, Josh Allen. But I think Dalton Kincaid's going to be a bit smaller, a bit of a acquired taste in the fantasy world uh, to begin with rather than an immediate impact out of the slot tight end role. Yeah, well, those are great answers, Aditya, uh, because they were also on my list as well. So good job. Yeah, Jalen Hyatt at the very top of my list for all the reasons that you talked about. I do love Daniel Jones in Dynasty, but or in Dynasty and in Best Ball. Um, but in Dynasty, I think one of my favorite stacks this year in, in some of those Best Ball leagues is like a Daniel Jones, Darren Waller stack, just because I feel I feel like that connection's perfect with what the kind of quarterback Daniel Jones is. But I'll go a little bit deeper down the ADP list, and I'll just go ahead and say it. And maybe this isn't hot at all, but I I think I'm out on Devon A Chain because I think but he has the potential to be more. And I, I really don't mean any disrespect because I I think players like this. I mean, we've seen them around the league. We've seen oh like. I, I can't even think of the of a, of a guy, but more of a, a gimmick player. And I hate to even say that, but it feels like Devon A. Chain is that kind of a a player. And he's currently listed third on the depth chart that I'm looking at, behind Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, who have experience in that offense that Mike McDaniel likes to run. So I could see him being used, but used sparingly and not in a role that we particularly like for fantasy football. He does have blazing speed but he is only 188 pounds. So again, we were talking about him. I mean, A-Chain was a guy that was sneaking into the first round of rookie drafts just based on this landing spot that we thought was going to be amazing. But I I think he's going to have to earn it in year one, a lot like James Cook had to earn his way toward playing time in year one. So I think this year could be a year where you you pass on Devon A-Chain And then you look to buy him next year if you really like him. I think that's true. I think that's also true of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I think these quarterbacks are going to go through their growing pains. I don't know if you're going to want – I know they're going super late in redraft, but where they're going in some of the dynasty startups, we've talked about it on this this channel, way too high for my taste. I think their their value almost – not too many many, uh, ways that their value goes up, in my opinion – I, as much as you might like a Bryce Young, I, I just I don't know if he has the pass catching options. And I think that leads us uh, toward Jonathan Mingo, too. I, I think Jonathan Mingo could struggle in year one, even though I, I really did like what I saw on tape when I watched him. And they used him in motion all the time. He was lining up in the slot outside just about everywhere. Sometimes he lined up in the backfield. Kind of reminded me of De- Debo Samuel a little bit, but just the way he was used. But Anyway, I think those are some. I did have a video, shameless plug here real quick, come out today of five rookies that I am drafting. So if you want to know which rookies I am drafting, go check out that video after you're done watching this uh, Dynasty Roundtable episode. So I think these, uh, and of course, he who shall not be named, QJ, is also on my list too. So anyway, is it time for an informative segment, Matt Babich? 
No, I'm going to talk about Quentin Johnston. Oh, I uh, forgot about you. I forgot about you. I, I is there any names? Quentin is Johnston the- is it's on my list. It's okay. Quentin Johnston. We, we've heard we've heard the argument before. Uh, the the only thing I'm really going to say on it is you really got to look at it through the lens of in for a two year window, you are hoping that he's the wide receiver one due to injury. And then outside of that two year window, when Williams and Allen are no longer under contract, you're hoping that they didn't bring out anyone else. And, and the Podfather, whether or not you find the argument annoying or not, the fact that, you know, when he talks about having these spe- specialist packages out there and how it's going to be Guyton and it's going to be Josh Palmer, like these are all correct takes. And the people are just taking the Los Angeles Chargers social media videos that don't show the drops, but only show the look, go to my, go to my X account, <laughs> go to my X page and go look, to my at, y account. look at the, <laughs> look at the Quentin Johnston toe tap contested, whatever. And then go check my quote tweet of the same thing with Josh Doxson in training camp. Like it's kind of eerie how they went to the same college. They're the best comparable and they're putting out the same exact training camp clips when people thought Josh Doxson was going to be the next big thing. It's it's just he has the hardest path to relevancy than all of the other receivers in the first and second rounds of your rookie drafts. Like all the way down through Mingo and Mims and and Jaden Reed. He has the hardest path to relevancy and he has a questionable college profile. There's just no chance he's worth his value in rookie drafts. And if he cannot finish inside of the top 45, 40 receivers, his value is going to absolutely plummet. So it's Quentin Johnston, you know, and we're, we're talking about Ken Walker. Uh, we're talking about injuries. Uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, actually funny enough, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have fairly low injury rating and fragility risks. So in terms of the injury finder, they actually are saying that if you're looking for an injury for QJ to get, get some playing time, that's probably not in your best interest. And Let's while while we're on the topic, let's just hear a little bit more about what the injury finder is. Now, as we at Player Profiler have become a full-blown machine learning company, the crowning achievement has to be the injury finder. We're now taking BMI data and injury history data and assigning a probability that a player is injured on any given touch. And not only can you see a player's fragility rating, their injury risk, we also have analysis from professional physical therapists breaking down all the major players that underwent surgery last year and what their rehabilitation looks like heading into 2023. There's a tool to compare players. There's a database where you can say, show me all the foot injuries, show me all the severe injuries, show me all the injuries requiring surgery. It provides you the key market intelligence to know What is the difference in probability that player X versus player Y will miss games this year? It's great for fantasy football, and it also just satisfies your curiosity as a fan. Go to the App Store, go to Google Play, download it. It's five bucks every year just to reload the latest injury predictions and fragility ratings. The 2023 data is live now. Open your phone and get smarter. The Injury Finder is what you i mean it's what you need in your life because we cannot predict these things and we can predict i mean if you're in on qj i'm not gonna say his name lord voldemort or whatever we got to call him um then you need to probably look in to see like how some of these chargers receivers are gonna you know like maybe they get hurt maybe gets opportunity even if that happens i don't know if he's gonna take advantage of it but we do have a question in the chat uh Ken Walker is falling even more now since the injuries. Is it time to buy the dip? What do you guys think? I'm definitely buying the dip on Ken Walker. That like you just, I'm a, I'm one of those guys who I'm I'm sure, I'm sure like most people that play fantasy football, you sit down on Sunday, you watch Red Zone for seven hours, you watch the Sunday night game, it turns into 10, 11 hours of football, and you, you do that every, you do that every week. I it's it's the only thing that really brings me any happiness in my life, and I I really enjoy doing it. <laughs> I. And the Seahawks are always on that that three o'clock slate, that three thirty slate, that late afternoon. So I've watched. I feel like I've watched quite a bit of Ken Walker. And the way this guy runs the football is uh, is it's just he's just different. He's built different. Like the guy, you look at Michigan State, 
he he carried that team to relevancy. They beat Michigan, and he he was the only guy on that team that they could be. Okay, we have Ken Walker. We're good. Look what they did last year. Nothing. I know this isn't a college football podcast, but I think it's worth noting. Also, and then you just look at when he when Rashad Penny went down and Ken Walker was the guy. That team. It, they just they kind of took off. They they had a run game they could go to. We know how much Pete Carroll loves to run the football. And I just you look at the talent, you look at the clips, the highlights. I don't care. Ken Walker is a guy that is he's just one of the best pure runners in the NFL, in my opinion. It's I'm always going to bet on the talent. I don't care. I I don't care that they drafted Zach Charbonnet. I think Ken Walker's built different, and he's just a guy that I'm always going to continue to buy. I just bought him. I think like last week. I love Ken Walker. I can I cannot get enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when when you look at the Seahawks backfield, it looks like Charbonnet's injury is a little bit more risky long term to go into the season than Walker's is. So for sure, Walker's a guy that you're taking a look at, maybe feeling out if uh, there's other any dynasty managers that are panicking that have him, then go ahead and make an offer to um, you're also looking at Kenny McIntosh in that backfield. Uh, should Charbonnet miss significant time, then McIntosh, he's a pass catcher. He's a guy who can provide value as well. Yeah, Kenny McIntosh is a guy that should be – waivers ran today in, in my dynasty leagues on a lot of these safe league leagues. Uh, if Kenny McIntosh was out there, I was trying to get him. So, it like, it, does, it really does – I mean, if he's in line to get that opportunity, I mean, then he can get some value regardless of what you might think. I mean, if he's free – uh, who who cares you know like just go get him if he's not sitting out there on the waiver wire why not I think that's a good thing to take away from this but I do think Ken Walker is the guy that you're gonna want to buy I mean do, how many times do you are you gonna be able to get a 22 year old running back on potentially the best offense in football at a discount because they drafted Zach Charbonnet you know and now Zach Charbonnet is already dealing with the shoulder injury. I know Ken Walker's also dealing with his injuries, but come on. I mean, he was sliding down dynasty startups this season. I, I don't really understand it because of like Tyler mentioned his college dominator rating was off the chain at Michigan state. It was unbelievable. I don't know what was going on. I think he played at wake forest before that. And, I don't really understand what was going on. They had some kind of weird delayed running game that they were doing, like a zone type of thing. I, it was very bizarre. But as soon as he got to Michigan State, it was wheels up. And I don't know. I, I just think this is a different cat. I, I really do. Yeah, he had one of the best college seasons ever at the <laughs> running back position at yeah. Michigan State and is comparable to Ladanian Tomlinson. And you look at this guy, you just look at a picture of his face, and you're like, yeah, if I was on the other side of that guy running full steam at me, I would, I would, my rib cage would be shattered. And then you look at Zach Charbonnet, who ran from Michigan. He, he ran away scared. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything at Michigan. And so he went to UCLA, who had some of the best run blocking and best run game philosophy from Chip Kelly in the entire NCAA. And so he was propped up by this UCLA rushing scheme. And now he's missing valuable reps in practice with this shoulder injury. And when he comes back, instead of running as hard as Ken Walker is able to run, he's going to be running, thinking about that shoulder and bracing that shoulder. And he, he, he already doesn't have the dog that Ken Walker does. I'm, I'm lagging too. What's going on here? My internet is hmm. chat. Can you hear us? Are we okay? Tyler pop. Was that in. all of us? That was bizarre. Here, I'm going to remove this chat. Let us know. Somebody type in the chat. If you can still hear us, we're I, I'm well, we might as well just keep going as though they can hear us, I guess. Um, yeah, but that, was, that was funky. I think that was a stream yard thing because I think all of us were affected by it. So, okay, okay we're, we're good. We're, we're hearing good. in the chat that we're good. All right. So Matt, any final thoughts you wanted to, I know you were interrupted by, uh, no, I was, I was pretty much there. I was pretty much there. All right. All right. So awesome. It's good. Apologies for the technical difficulties. I think that I I do think it wasn't our fault, but anyway, who knows? Uh, the, the trend and the next question we have is the trend of rookies vaulting in dynasty. A do from their rookie to sophomore season is now painfully obvious. 
given this, should we be consistently buying unproven studs like JSN and selling overvalued sophomores? I feel like this question was directed at me, but we'll oh start yeah, with, but oh, uh, let's yeah. let's start with Aditya. I didn't I didn't name a player when I said overrated <laughs> sophomore for a reason. I'll let you do that for me. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think. I think uh, one thing you got to look at is what direction your team is building in. If you're definitely more rebuild and you're not win now at all, or in some capacity, then yeah, you got to consider if you are win now, then maybe you hold on to those sophomores before trading them off for some unproven assets. But like, for example, uh, JSN, he, he at Ohio state outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave the one year that all three of them were together. So you see Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave going several rounds higher than JSN in in dynasty drafts. So why not trade Garrett Wilson for JSN, who could be the better receiver, plus additional assets for Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave? So that way you make that plus move and you get some building for the future. So you get a pick or two back and you get JSN, who will produce for you as well as Garrett Wilson has. So it's definitely something you take a look at your roster build. And if you don't say I am win now all in this season, then you got to go for some of those rookies and take some of these guys that are shooting up at in on those keep trade cut lists for sure. Tyler, same question to you. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had sell Garrett Wilson on mine as well. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is, yeah, I know. I wonder if Matt, I know, I know, I know. I was honestly one of the they made it. They were talking about this on Sonic Truth. The, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before. I don't remember, but they were talking about this, and it was it's a really good point. I honestly I was watching the episode, and I went in the one league I had Gary Wilson on, and I put him on the trade block. And one of my buddies texted me, he's like, "Whoa, what's going on with Gary Wilson?" I was like, "I just see what I could get for him and try to get CD Lamb." That didn't work out, but anyways, I I think he kind of he kind of nailed the the point I was trying to make. It's if you can set, Garrett, there's no no one in Dynasty you can sell higher than Gary Wilson right now. There's absolutely nobody. So I, if you can get a really good price for him, then I think you got to do it. Matt Babbage. Yeah. I mean, this is, and we can even extend this beyond just where we're at right now with JSN and, and Garrett Wilson. Let's talk like let's talk Marvin Mims, uh, you know, who I have a YouTube video in my ear and I don't know where it is. Is it on one of your mini tabs that's open? Is that what's going on? Because that happened to me too. I can't. Once. Uh, anyway, as Matt Babbage is okay. Uh, okay, he's back. He's good. Mar- right. Marvin Mims. Mar- Marvin Mims. <laughs> Marvin Mims is currently one of those unproven rookies who who has a chance at finishing as the number one target earner on his own team. And Jaden Reed, while I don't think he has a chance of finishing as the number one target earner on his own team. He's right. It's, it's less realistic, but it's there, Mm. but he also has a path to fantasy relevancy in year one. And because of that is going to be pushed up in, in the rankings in the coming seasons. And so I don't think kind of to what Aditya said, I don't think, you know, you're jumping on the sell sophomores, you know, every single year, like, oh, my my Marvin Mims is now a sophomore. He jumped up 20 spots, like, go ship him out. It's not necessarily the strategy. Garrett Wilson is a bit of an extreme case here, and I agree that that he should be sold for his current price in Dynasty Leagues. Um, but in terms of rookies, it just these, – these values right now have kind of befuddled me because these are players that we liked as prospects that have very good situations that they're in and higher probabilities – of having a opportunity share in an offense to where they can finish inside of the top 35 receivers in fantasy points per game in a, in a given season within this next years. And so the value is not quite matching up with that. And so with these rookies and probably all of these like second round rookies going forward, I'm just going to be trying to acquire as much of them as possible. Yeah, I, I I was I'm I'm shocked that uh, you guys agree with me on Garrett Wilson. I feel like I I said that on another show, and I I, I got uh, by one person on this panel. He, I, I mean, maybe not, maybe not. Um, but uh, yeah, Garrett Wilson on keep trade cut right now is the wide receiver three, right behind Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So I don't know what has to happen this year with Aaron Rodgers. 
for him for his value to go up. I don't ever see him getting into that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase tier. So I guess that means, and and I'm skeptical. I know some people don't agree with me of how Aaron Rodgers is going to run this offense because it's going to be Aaron Rodgers' offense. Let's face it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he's going to be running that clock down all the way to to, to one. He's not going to be playing fast. He just took a pay cut. That means he's thinking, just put yourself in his, he's taking a pay cut so they can get more players because Aaron Rodgers sees the light at the end of the tunnel. This is it for him. Maybe another year after this one, but that's it. And he doesn't want people to remember him for being a choke artist in the playoffs. So I don't know if that means Devontae Adams. I don't know if that means Dalvin Cook, but it does free up some money for them to go get another offensive playmaker, which is kind of strange because I thought Garrett Wilson was pretty good. And I thought that mix they had with Brees Hall and the Green Bay posse that he brought over, Randall Cobb, uh, you know, Alan Lazard. I thought I thought that mix was going to be pretty good featuring Garrett Wilson, you know. But I, I just think this whole thing has elevated Garrett Wilson to a point of unsustainability. And I feel the same way about Christian Watts. So I, I know not everybody agrees with me, but I think that Green Bay offense is going to be run heavy. I think they're a couple of their running backs, Aaron Jones, um, AJ Dillon are two of their better players. I think that if you gave Matt LaFleur truth, truth serum, that's what he wants to do anyway in a division that's not going to be able to stop the run very well. I mean, the Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago, I mean, definitely Chicago didn't do much to, much to bolster their defensive line whatsoever. So that I think is the direction that they're going to go on offense. And I also don't know how good Jordan Love is. And I think it's crazy that on keep trade cut, Christian Watson is ranked above Brandon Ayuk. He's ranked ahead of DJ Moore. He's ranked ahead of Jahan Dot, like another sophomore in a very similar situation. I don't really know what the difference is between Jahan Dotson and Christian Watson. If anything, I kind of like Jahan Dotson a little bit better, just maybe a little bit. So I, I just, he's been vaulted up because of those four games and he had a great stretch toward the end of the season, but it was, four games with an unsustainable touchdown rate. And then it was right back to being what he was before that. And we can blame injuries. Uh, injuries are going to happen to every player. Okay. Like I don't know if injuries are a good excuse or not, because if he's injured that much in his first season, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man, but just very skeptical on Christian Watson. And like, I think Marvin Mims just to, you know, just to say one more thing, Marvin Mims, I know you've probably heard it a hundred times, but don't forget that Sean Payton's one of his first moves in the draft. When you have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, a tight end that he really likes, by the way, which I think Greg Dulcich is a dynasty by too, because of what Sean Payton's saying about him as the Joker, uh, moving him around, comparing him to tight ends that they've had before in New Orleans with with him. The fact that they traded up for Marvin Mims when they have those two wide receivers. On the roster, the, the the trade rumors before the NFL draft, I really do think the fact that Marvin Mims is a dog and blocks like Marvin Mims blocks like Darnell Mooney. And that's a compliment like he's going to find his way onto the field. And if he finds his way onto the field, there's going to be opportunity in an offense that is going to be playing with the Chargers, with Kansas City you know, playing in catch up mode. I mean, Las Vegas is going to be able to put up points, even though Jimmy G is what Jimmy G is. They still have Devonte Adams last time I checked and Josh Jacobs, maybe we'll see. So they're going to be in and their defense isn't that good. So this is, I mean, we, we all thought the AFC West last year, I mean, the AFC West is going to be a shootout division again this year. And I don't know why, especially at his price, Marvin Mims is going nowhere but up in dynasty like his value is so low right now i mean i was getting him in the third round sometimes early third round of Superflex dynasty rookie drafts which is crazy same thing with Jaden reed like they're these two like if you're just making a dynasty bet bet on those guys because their value is so low right now and it can only like i get yeah sure it could it could go down but man if that hits that's that's a hit, man. Like, and so I think that's a, a fantastic bet. And you can get probably both of those guys if you trade away Christian Watson, maybe more. So I would that's something I would do personally. All right. If I'm you're not going that far. 
if you're in a dynasty league with me, let me know. Seth Dewald. Yeah. Um, anyway. If you're in a dynasty league with Seth, go ahead and just steal his soul by taking Christian Watson <laughs> off of his hands for yeah. Jaden Reed and Marvin Mims. Give up a top 15, take a top 15 receiver for, for two top 40s this season, and then then maybe maybe some more value after that. So I get more it, than that though. I get more. Hey, I mean, you're already playing for 2026 in our, in our writers round table dynasty league startup. Yeah. So, you know, what's, I did, I did what's, take, why uh, not just have all of our, di- all of your dynasty yeah. leagues. And then by 2026, when all five or 10 or whatever, your dynasty league team, they all hit their window. Then you're going to be looking, you're going to be like, Hey, I just won 13 dynasty championships this year because of my 16, 20 20 25 first round picks he just I wasn't he, i wasn't gonna make uh my bold prediction <laughs> until later but um i know I'll, now. Save, I'll save it till later do it now. i think there's a real chance Jaden reed could outscore christian watson but i don't know but they're on the same offense that's not gonna be very pass happy happy so that's probably a bad bet to make i bet Jaden reed's probably gonna be their punt returner too so that was we'll the same that was the softest bold bold prediction I've ever heard in my life. So we are going to right. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gave a good case before that, and then you said you're gonna give your bold prediction, and then you're like Jaden Reed's gonna outscore Christian Watson, and then you're like, Well, that's probably a bad bet. Well, <laughs> I mean it's, I don't I don't know. I think I think it's closer than you think. I think it's closer than you think. It's I, probably true. Yeah, it's probably Jaden Reed's Jaden Reed's a fan of Jaden Reed. Yeah. And at, and at wide receiver fifty nine, at wide receiver yeah. fifty nine in dynasty, I mean, I absolutely agree with you that Ooh, you you man. need to be going yeah. to acquire and Mims too at, at wide receiver fifty one. It it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but yeah, Green Bay selected him at pick fifty, I think, in the draft. Yeah, that's right around where they took Christian Watson. So, hmm. okay. With that being said. We are gonna we're gonna do a little bit of a time capsule here. So uh, we're gonna start kind of collecting. You know, as we do, we are a bold predictions podcast. We give the most average bold predictions per podcast on the network. It's what we kind of hang our hats on. And so we're gonna we're gonna put these bold predictions in the vault and see what they look like at the end of the season. So we're staking our reputations on one dynasty bold prediction for 2023. Tyler, kick us off. I've been waiting all show for this. All right, here we go. I don't think uh, DT is going to like this one based off his uh, previous comments, but here we go. I feel like I have to make it more bold now just because you said average, so I'm going to do this. Dalton Kincaid will be drafted as a top three tight end in startup drafts next next offseason. Wow. That, is that yeah. Here's my case. Here's my case. He So everyone wants to make the, the, the assumption that rookie tight ends don't do anything, and that's mostly true. It's mostly true, but not – for tight ends like Dalton Kincaid. He is a pure, pure, pure receiving tight end. He, he doesn't mess around with that blocking stuff. We don't want him to anyway. We don't, he doesn't need to block. That's what they have Dawson Knox for. Put him in big slot, let him run routes. That's what Dalton Kincaid does best. His last year in college, he had 70 receptions, almost 900 yards and eight touchdowns. He is one of like these Evan Ingram, Kyle Pitts types more than he is like a OJ Howard type. So everyone wants to talk about the first year production from tight ends uh in the league so i did some did some research did some dig i uh i also had a video come out about this a couple weeks ago it was uh screaming values and in redraft and dalton kincaid was one of my guys and you look at his his receiving numbers just receiving compared to some of these other first round tight ends and they're just not comparable so we're gonna run down the list real fast tj hawkinson last year at iowa 50 catches 700 yards six touchdowns not better than kincaid Noah Fant, last year at Iowa. I know that Fant and Hawkinson played the same, so the sk- the stats are a little skewed, but it, it, it helps my point, so I'm going to use it. 49 catches, or uh, 39 catches, 500 <laughs> yards, seven touchdowns. Hayden Hurst, last year at South Carolina, 44 catches, 559 yards, two touchdowns, not better than Kincaid. O.J. Howard, last year at Bama, 44 catches, 500 yards, three touchdowns, not better than Kincaid. David Njoku, last year at Miami, 43 catches, 698 yards, eight touchdowns. Now, here the two guys whose resumes last year college production who are the most similar to, Kincaid, to Dalton Kincaid is Evan Ingram, who had 65 catches, 900 yards, and eight touchdowns. What were Evan Ingram's rookie year stats? He had 15 games played, 64 catches, 700 yards, six touchdowns. He finished as a tight end five. All right, another guy, Kyle Pitts. He missed a few games, but the per stat, the per game stats basis is pretty, pretty similar to Dalton Kincaid. So, what did Kyle Pitts do his rookie year? 68 catches, 1,000 yards, second most all-time by a rookie tight end, one touchdown, 
tight end five. So this is so I'm convinced that we're gonna get the similar kind of production rookie year from Dalton Kincaid. He's gonna be he's gonna steam up draft boards, especially dynasty draft boards next season. And Dalton Kincaid will be drafted as a top three dynasty tight end. Yeah, that is pretty spicy. I don't know, man. I like Laporta and Meyer later for uh, for those dynasty drafts, but I guess we'll see this time next year. Oh, I I like Laporta. Laporta's a like oh, he's in a Laporta. great offense. Laporta yeah. could legitimately be like the second or probably third if you I guess if you include Jameer Gibbs, but like the third like receiving option in a really good offense. Mm-hmm. I like Laporta, but Dalton Kincaid, he's got Josh Allen as a quarterback. Dalton Kincaid could actually be like the number two receiving option in Buffalo, and I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. yeah, it's funny because my my bold prediction is actually a player you talked about, Tyler, Calvin Ridley, and it's that Christian Kirk at his dynasty value right now is a better value than Calvin Ridley is right now. And my reasoning behind that is that, first of all, Christian Kirk is younger. Calvin Ridley is technically entering the fifth year of his rookie contract, and it's his uh, year 29 uh, season, so he's not exactly... Uh, one of those guys that's like 25, 26 years old, finishing off his rookie contract and then heading into his next three-year contract. He's already going to be his age 30 season by the time he hits his next contract. So I think Christian Kirk, uh, he got a lot of usage last season. Um, He had his first thousand yard uh, receiving season last season, and he finished as a top 20 wide receiver. Um, And Calvin really has been out for a year and a half. He's living off of that 2020 explosive season that he was really good for that season. And I don't doubt that he's going to be a good receiver again for Trevor Lawrence. I just think at price, you see Calvin really go around guys like Jahan Dotson, DJ Moore, Zay Flowers on the keep trade cut um, range. And you see Christian Kirk going around older guys like Chris Godwin and Amari Cooper. So I very much like Christian Kirk around those guys rather than Calvin Ridley where he's going. So I think Christian Kirk's going to be a much more worthwhile pick than Calvin Ridley ends up being by the time that we look at this next season. Yeah, and you got you mentioned it too. Calvin Ridley's entering age 29 season, I believe, and Christian Kirk's much younger. I think you're going to want piece of that Jacksonville offense. I think that's a an ascending offense with Trevor Lawrence. Tyler, I think I'm going against you again, my friend. I have I have three, and I. How how much do I want to bury Christian Watson here? I mean, do I? I mean, I don't want to do, overdo it because I don't want to like wear out. I don't, I don't know if I quite have an hour segment of Christian Watson like the Podfather just tore apart Quentin Johnston. I don't know if I quite have that in me, but I've got three bold predictions that I feel fairly confident in as we enter the uh, 2023 season. And these are, you know, we're playing the Seth's classic rock hits here i mean i i love david montgomery to finish as a top 10 running back in fantasy points per game i think jameer gibbs being drafted as high as he is in 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 some of these best ball tournaments is a mistake i i could see a james cook like season for jameer gibbs may the usage is going to be if i had to guess the opportunity shares like 45 55 between him and uh, david montgomery and i think david montgomery's jamal williams 2.0 they signed him for a reason, and I think they've got their complement of running backs, but I think Jameer Gibbs is going to have to grow into that role, uh, and it's it's not going to be this year. Um, and I do think Jameer Gibbs is overvalued in Dynasty, too, so I, I might see what you can get and put him on the block um, as well, just to see what, what's out there. I think Christian Watson, and, and people are going to think I'm crazy, I for sure think JSN... And you, JSN is going to outscore Christian Watson this year in fantasy points. I think Jordan Addison is going to outscore Christian Watson in fantasy points. And I'm just going to say it because I got scolded for not being bold enough earlier. Marvin Mims is going to outscore Christian Watson in fantasy points per, per game this season uh, because that Broncos offense, I, re- I think there's a real chance they move one of those receivers at the deadline, and if they do, that's going to open up the door for Marvin Mims. But I think Marvin Mims gets on the field anyway because, like I said, I, I just think he was drafted to the perfect situation. Sean Payton clearly likes him. He's going to be on the field because if you watch the film of Marvin Mims, you know that he's a good route runner and a good blocker. He's a rare player, really good player. So he's going to find the field. Now, he might go through his rookies ups and downs, but I feel very strongly he's going to have a good season. I think this Green Bay offense is going to struggle. And the last bull prediction is 
that I am also skeptical about Dalton Kincaid this season, but I think the time to buy him will be next off season because Dawson Knox still is there. And there isn't that roadblock for Sam Laporta in the Detroit Lions offense. So I think Sam Laporta outscores Dalton Kincaid in year one. Because if you look at the tight end depth chart in Detroit, it's like Brock Wright. It's <laughs> there's nobody else there. So it's anyway. So there we go. There's three bold predictions for you. You got to you got to you got to you got to pick one. Which one are we staking oh, okay. the reputation on for the vault? Staking my when, reputation on. When we replay all these for uh, for the accountability, we'll call it. Which mm. one? Is it Jaden Reed over Christian Watson? Mm. I'll go with Mike White over No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I think Marvin Mims over <laughs> Christian Watson is the one I want to see on there because all right. that is a very loaded take cuz there's a lot of implications do, let's, to it. Let's just do that one. I love Marvin Mims. Let's go Marvin Mims over I love Marvin Mims and I think Christian Watson's overrated, so let's go with that one. All right, so Marvin Mims top 20, top 24 dynasty receiver after this season. That is uh that's essentially the take he's, if we think he's about going, it. He is going to be go- shooting up best ball ADPs here in the next month. As we as we inch closer to kickoff, you you watch. He's going to be taken inside that top 120, 110. He'll, like he'll have a highlight yeah. reel catch within the first three to four drives of preseason. That he's also, gonna he's yeah. gonna one hand a contesting catch down the field and stay in bounds, something like that. Because that's who Marvin Mims is. He just has elite body control and he's he's a route runner he knows where to be on the field at all times so he'll also knock your head off and blocking too yeah i I love it i love him so much so i want to i want to talk to the people a little bit about this the sun god amon ross st brown so currently he is listed on keep trade cut if we use that for our crowdsource information wide receiver seven in dynasty football he is younger than four of the wide receivers ahead of him. Okay. It's by like a half a year, but still I'm on Ross St. Brown. Let's start with college. He posted a thousand yard season at USC in an offense with Michael Pittman and Drake Lund. That's some pretty good competition to have a 75 plus catch six plus touchdown 1000 plus receiving yard season in college drafted with fourth round draft capital. He had 65% percentile dominator rating, 64 percentile target share, breaking out at a before age 19, 91st percentile again in an offense with high profile, talented wide receivers. He gets drafted to the Lions without much target competition and earns 119 targets as a rookie and nearly a thousand yard season. And he finished number 20 in route win rate. And so he was a heavy slot guy. We all know this, but when we saw it on Hard Knocks, we saw a peek into the personality of who Amon Ross St. Brown is, and we know that this guy is just one of those one of those sickos. He's a sicko. He's in the gym earlier than everyone else. He's in he's in the gym in the film room later than everyone else. He lives and breathes competition and football, and we saw that in his family. I don't know how. I, I guess just Equinemius didn't get the 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 talent genes that Amon Ra did. But but mm. that whole family is just a bunch of sickos when it comes to 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 grinding and dedication and effort. They have they have just a different. They're wired differently than most of us people. They're wired differently than Jamison Williams, who is you know he's punching his his teammates instead of you know hitting the film room and learning how to run the right routes. And Amon Ross St. Brown earned 146 targets last season. And it felt low. They had TJ Hawkinson for a decent part of the season. He's gone. No matter how much you like Sam Laporta, he is not going to be as involved in that offense as TJ Hawkinson was as a rookie. They were getting along just fine at the tight end position with Brock Wright. And I don't even know the other, I can't even remember the other players' names, but, but Brock Wright was one of them. They were getting along fine without Hawkinson until the end of the season. They're catching touchdowns. Shane Zilstra, that was one of them. Shane, yeah, Old yeah. Zilstra. Every week, a new t- a new Lions tight end that you had never heard of was scoring a touchdown. Now we go into this season, and besides Laporta, they're pretty much in that exact same situation. No Jamison Williams to start the season. He's a bust anyway. And so we're looking at 
we could be looking at 175 plus targets for Amon Ross St. Brown. Very realistically, he had one of the league's higher red zone target shares. James Mitchell. Thank you. James another Mitchell. One. Thanks, Joel. 32% target rate, number three in the league. Last year, 53% route win rate, number two in the league. Number seven in formation adjusted yards per route run. He's just one of the cleanest route runners and best performers at the receiver position we have. And devoid of talent in the Lions offense, they're going to have to, I think they're going to have to keep up with teams still. I, I'm not bought in on the Lions having any sort of control on the division. I think the Bears are going to get better. I think the Packers are going to be more competitive than people think. The Vikings are obviously going to be an offense that's going to put the pressure on you to keep up and score points. And this Lions defense, aside from C.J. Garner-Johnson, hasn't really made significant additions to it that I know of. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Well, Jack Campbell. They drafted Jack Campbell. Nope. Nope. Next. Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton. Um, but he's got the same last okay. name as the yep. coach. Cam Sutton. But still, I don't think anyone is sitting here arguing that the Lions are going to have an elite defense. And that's why this wide receiver three season in fantasy points per game from Amon Ross St. Brown is going to have him being the wide receiver three in dynasty next season. There we go. That's a good take. That might be better than my take. Maybe. Mine's pretty, I don't know if the, how hot that is, Matt. I, I, my, the, I mean, I brought the fire, man. We're staking our reputation on it. I'm going to at least say something I, that, you know, is, is going to happen. Yeah. Brian Branch. I don't even remember him. Brian Branch. Oh yeah. The, he's from uh, Alabama. Yeah. They drafted him. Mm -hmm. for that. He, he's, he only, I think he had a crazy stat where he like didn't miss a single tackle his entire career or something crazy like that. Something crazy. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's the episode guys. Um, uh, Tyler, do you have any tips on where to get some good graphic tees? <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> okay, they're all I. They're they, listening. They yeah. all they all give the Instagram ads. Like it's it's unbelievable. It's funny, you know. You see the ones where it's like they got the lightning behind it, like the ones I normally wear, like the ones like the Johnny Football one I had, the Reggie Bush one. I now I'm getting the ads where you can customize your own graphic tee that look like that with the collage. You can just send oh, in a whole could, bunch of pictures. And then we do that with the dynasty round table. <laughs> you, just have our own could. graphic tee. That, yeah. That would oh, be, be hilarious. I have to look into that. <sighs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for watching. Don't forget to click the like button, subscribe to the channel and go, go do yourself a favor and go read Matt Babich's work, a DTF Diore's work. Tyler Football's done some videos. I don't think Tyler Football's done an article yet. We'll have to fix that. No, I'm uh, so I'm writing some stuff for the for the um ADP movers on the draft kit. So I'll go I got some draft kit write-ups on right. there. So go yeah. check out the draft kit. It's un it's unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. The, the, the draft kit is the I mean, I, I feel like we say it every time. And it's um, the best. I swear to I swear we're we're not I'm not just saying this because I work here. I, I mean I, I do work here. But it is the best draft kit I've ever seen. I didn't even know this was this was happening until I saw it drop just randomly during the day. It got even better. Evan Ringler, who is the the analytics intern for Player Profiler, just dropped his his big project, which was a rate my team tool for the draft kit, so you can enter mm -hmm. your roster and it'll give oh. you uh, a feedback based on oh. um, it was injury risk roster construction and then i can't remember what the third one that they display is maybe it's like upside or, or something like that uh, and then it gives you a letter grade so shout out to evan ringler who's done great work yeah buy the draft kit uh aditya tyler anything anything else to to plug coming out coming out soon um i am gonna have an article coming out soon on the late round dynasty strategy so keep an eye out for that um all other football non-football stuff you can find at my Twitter at ADI underscore FUL. And um, I'm going to be at the Fantasy Football Expo coming up in like 10 days. So if anyone out there is there, uh, let me know and we'll meet up. Hopefully you find fantasy receipts. I heard uh, they're going to be there. Yeah, maybe. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got. I think I'm going to be on Mock Draft Live on, on Monday with uh, with Jason. Jason Allwine. We're going to be drafting a Best Ball Mania team. I, we did one where we drafted just a Tampa Bay stack. So I think we're going to try and do an Atlanta stack this time. Just uh, we're, we're just targeting like some of like the worst offenses in the NFL or like worst <laughs> quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I think we, it was like we had Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Kyle Trask all stacked up together. So if Tampa Bay goes off and Kyle Trask is the quarterback, best believe we're winning $3 million. 
But uh, follow me on Twitter at PPR Tyler. If you love fantasy football memes or any memes in general, I got them all. It's kind of all I post. Not all I post, but it's a good majority. So if you want to want to laugh, you want to smile, give me a follow on Twitter. You can find my work on Twitter as well, Babbage underscore Matt 10. I'm about to get back into the article game. Just had a few ideas approved by Theo Greminger himself. So it's time for me to hit the written word once again. Excited to, to get into that. Uh, excited to provide some spoiler alerts, some keeper knowledge, keeper league knowledge onto the platform of Player Profiler. Uh, I've been in a keeper league with my with my home league for, I think we've been a keeper league for seven-ish years now, maybe even eight and so my earliest experiences with fantasy football have been in keeper leagues and um, decided to throw some knowledge down on that. And then catch me on the game plan on Saturday with Maddie Kiwum talking some uh, some redraft. So excited to, to hop on and chop it up with him. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, go do all those things. Um, for me, I mean, if you want to see any more of these crazy takes I have, you can go to Twitter at Seth underscore D-I-E-W-O-L-D. It's pronounced D-Wald. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube. You can catch clips of this show on my YouTube channel. You can also find some original content by me there as well. So if you want to go give me a sub, that would be greatly appreciated. And subscribe to this channel, by the way, because uh, we have been seeing some great, uh, a great increase in our subscribers lately. And so shout out to everybody who's subscribed, who's liking videos, who's supporting us. We we greatly appreciate it. Our audience means everything to us. And go check out playerprofiler.com. It's the best fantasy football website on the planet. You will not be disappointed with what you find there. So for myself, for Matt Babich, for Tyler Canabli, Aditya Foldiore, that is the Dynasty Roundtable podcast. I'm not going to lie. That might be the best job I can do. I, I may have peaked early. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll try to top it next time. I'll try to top it next time. Uh, but until then, nobody cares about Aaron Rodgers, and we will see you next time.